The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of MedPEP or Physician Health Services. The advice given to Marie Curious has been individualized and may not apply to the listener. While Marie Curious is a real person describing both real and hypothetical events and situations, she is using a pseudonym for this series. Welcome to MedPEP, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program. I'm Dr. Les Schwab, the host of MedPEP. I'm a practicing internist, an experienced healthcare leader, and also a trained professional coach. I help medical leaders, physicians, and other medical professionals help deal with the incredible complexity of today's medical environment, particularly given how stressful and depleting it can be. And I'm here to serve as the guide of Dr. Marie Curious, an early career primary care physician who is determined not only to survive, but to thrive, even given the difficulties in doing that today. And Marie and I are about to embark on a journey to discover and learn everything we possibly can about finding solutions to the problems of thriving in practice today. And here at MedPEP, Marie will have the opportunity to interview a series of experts whose wisdom and experience may be helpful. My role will be to facilitate those conversations and to help Marie clarify her concerns, frame them, and then also to give her some opportunity to apply what she's learned in the interim between these pepcasts. And so, Marie, glad to have you here today. Please Thanks tell, so cool. All right. tell, uh, Could you tell <laughs> us about yourself and what you are hoping to accomplish on this MedPEP journey? Absolutely. First, I wanted to say thank you, Dr. Schwab, Les, if I may. Please. I'm so fortunate to be here. I already feel more empowered knowing that I have this opportunity and knowing your background as well, that you're a coach. Not that I've ever trained for a marathon, but I've heard plenty about it being here in Boston, that a coach is essential to gaining and practicing the skills that you need to survive the marathon, the long haul. And I'm so grateful that you can be my coach uh, in part too. So a little bit about myself, I am, a primary care physician in a multi-specialty group in the Boston area. I've been practicing for a few years. I am married to a physician and I have two young children and currently I am really hoping they will not become physicians and I Indeed. hope to turn that around, yes. Could you tell us a little bit why you think you'd rather not have them become doctors? Absolutely, I want them to be good, kind, helpful human beings. I want them to help others which is why I set out to become a doctor. I'm the first doctor in my family. And so perhaps it was my naivete that I didn't know anything about the medical profession that I chose it and went into it, of course. Um, but the realities of it after so many years of sacrifice in training, uh, not just in medical school, but then years of residency and how much of your own life you do have to give up in reality to complete that training. And then coming out into practice and facing the realities of medicine, not just as a science and art, which we learn about in medical school, but now as a business. I don't know if I want my kids to have to deal with that in the future. It is exhausting. And I just started out. I can't imagine how to survive this for another 30, 40 years, which I wish to do. My daughter told me, the other, oh, I want to be a doctor, just like you and Daddy. And I said, oh, please, no, dear. You told her that. Yeah. I said, you can be anything you want. I didn't want her to feel pressured to be a doctor, but I said, there's a lot of other things you can be. 
So for you to have said that tells me just how deep this runs. Yeah. You know, that this is a very deeply held concern and a distress of your everyday environment. We know that you're not alone. We know that you're not alone in having thoughts about wanting to leave the profession. We know that the phenomenon of burnout is so widespread. How does that typically manifest less? Okay, so burnout classically has got three dimensions. The dimensions come from the instrument used to measure burnout, something called the Maslach Burnout Index. And that measures three axes of stress. One is called depersonalization, the sense mm -hmm. that one is just a cog in a wheel, one is just showing up, that there's really no personal engagement or presence in the work. One is to mention is emotional exhaustion, mm -hmm. meaning that the work has just depleted one emotionally in the process of doing the day's production, and that there's not much reserve for taking care of oneself or responding empathetically anymore to mm -hmm. one's patients, let alone one's own family and friends. And then the last dimension is failing to attain the professional goals that one had set out at mm. the beginning of, of one's career, that the reality is that one is not given has not gotten a sense of accomplishment doing what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So those are the three dimensions of burnout and perhaps these feelings of exhaustion and not fulfilling your role and having far too much to do to accomplish everything you want. These are the components of burnout and you seem to be feeling it deeply. Les, can you tell me a little bit more about the per, how pervasive burnout is? Just because sometimes as physicians, whether it's inculcated in our training or whatever it may be, we tend to just swallow everything and hold it in and think that we're the only ones who are not up to snuff, not keeping up with the pace. But you're telling me that a lot of people are struggling with these issues. Help me feel a little bit better that I'm not in this boat alone. So a couple of comments. One, certainly you're not in this boat alone. It is a widespread phenomenon in American medicine. And I think you point out that our culture tells us to be submissive, at least put our needs behind the needs of the task given to us at hand. And that, to a point, helps us take care of the needs of others effectively, but to a point it subjugates our own needs to a point where they're not taken care of, where they're not taken care of, end up feeling as disappointed and exhausted as you seem to be. So we do need to attend to those needs, and as I said, you're not alone in feeling those needs are not being met. Surveys done by Mayo Clinic and others show that about 54% of all American physicians feel some degree of burnout, defined as exhaustion, depersonalization, feeling they're just showing up as a cog in a wheel, or failure to have accomplished their professional goals. 54% across all specialties, and the range across different specialties is very close to that middle. It's very common. It affects all doctors. It affects doctors in similar proportions, regardless of gender, regardless of years in practice, regardless of geography. So you're not alone, but if you're feeling that this means you're having trouble sustaining career and it's not something you want to pass on to somebody else who might want to. It's a huge problem for our profession. So we need to get at this. We need to have to take people such as yourselves who went in with ambitions and ideals and are doing work that has to be done to enable them to get it done somehow. That's what we're here today to talk about. And in this series of conversations that we're going to have, how can we help get that done for you? So over to you. Yes, I was just thinking actually that in my short, not even two years, could I count it as dog years? Because I feel like <laughs> I've been working so much longer yeah. than that. Um, and part of the reason why I wanted to participate in this 
show or this program is because, you know, selfishly, I just want to know how I can survive and ideally not just survive, you know, an entire span of a doctor's career, but to thrive and do what I set out doing initially, you know, getting into medicine, which is the bottom line to help people. Am I doing that on a day-to-day -day basis? How do I survive this? How do I get back to the roots of my goals uh, while being inundated with messages, documentation, notes, um, all of those things. What in particular are you finding on a day-to-day -day basis is, is getting, getting in your way of getting that job done in a way you want to do it? Less it's um, on so many different levels, I think individually from a personal level, the exhaustion of not just uh, interacting with a healthcare system that has more and more demands in terms of uh, encounter requirements or quote unquote expectations, how many patients should be on your panel, even in the thousands, some people are shocked to hear that. And yet that is you know, what is placed before me. Meeting requirements of documentation, closing charts in time, I, I'm quite an early on physician and I'm developing tendonitis in my elbow and I don't think that should be the case. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do that for 30, 40 more years. The electronic medical record is a wonderful, uh, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to help implement and coordinate care for patients. And I do ultimately believe it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's layered on so many levels of documentation and it's the administrative piece that you know 10 years ago starting out medical school nobody told us that was part of it you didn't need to have typing skills to go into medicine and yet here we find ourselves uh, and on another level uh, emotional exhaustion from seeing patients minute after minute day after day and being there reflective space or their dumping grounds and trying not to take on all of their burdens as our own. That can be emotionally exhausting. Nobody taught me besides just being human about how to cope with that. When 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 encounters a week really add up to, you know, bearing emotionally the troubles of your patients. And then finally, just the feeling that your autonomy as a physician being taken away from you by the demands of whether it be your organization or even system-wide across the nation, feeling like you're behind the eight ball, that we're always trying to make up new changes to catch up with whatever regulation is being put on medical practice as a whole, rather than being at the front of it and anticipating change and being the lawmakers, and I'm going on a bit long, but you get the drift well, list. Well, Marie, you have said a whole lot, and those are the same issues that are popping up everywhere. You know, that people are depleted by the tasks. The EMR, intended as a gift to facilitate care, which it can do, is seen as the overwhelming reason, the number one reason physicians are feeling burned out, that it's not user-friendly. It's not accomplishing those professional goals for which we thought it might. You're talking about a lack of autonomy. It's a little bit of crisis of the soul almost, you know, that we're taught that we are the artisans, the purveyors of highly skilled professional knowledge, and we're being told what to do and how to, how to do it. It's a contradiction.
I want to point out it's all this conflicting demand and our own ambitions between our ideals and the reality is something we do have to address. Because if we stick simply to pining for the ideal, we will burn out. <laughs> and we won't be able to deliver that valuable human service that brought us into the profession. We will not be able to do it unless we figure out a way to square the reality of the demands and resources given us with the ways we would like to do it. So that's the purpose of this series. How can we take that ambition and idealism you had and figure out how to apply it piece by piece, issue by issue, to the kinds of demands that are placed on you in practice and find a way to see if there's a way to optimize your experience of it. Les, that sounds exactly what I need. And the word empowerment, you know, from MedPEP really drew me to this discussion to our project because I think physicians across the board need to feel empowered. A lot has been taken away from us and we just started. You know, at, at one point, some folks were even discussing, gosh, are we going to be replaced by robots? This is not a joke with all of the medical advances happening, with the demands of the millennial generation of wanting immediate access to physicians, an online service, uh, video clinic visits, and computer programs that ask patients questions and you know come up with a differential diagnosis. Am I going to become obsolete? I don't think so. I mean, there will be, no, because I don't think, I think those technologies may be evolved and I think we ought to master how they're used mm -hmm. to make sure that if there are patient education and decision aids that are made, that they're actually done by people who have the heartfelt interests of patients in mind. And that's us, not a machine. We know what this design needs right. to look like. And that's the human part of it, Les, that I don't want to lose. And I'm desperately holding on to that, which is why I came into this profession to begin with, which is to help people. And I think, and to really make a difference in people's lives. You know, I get a glimmer of that here and there, but how do I carry that on? So that conviction that you're telling me right now, that can't be duplicated by a machine. It might be expressed in a video. It might be conveyed through social media, but that core authorship of saying, that's what I'm here to do for you that cannot be replaced. We've got to figure out a way for you to experience that and transmit that to the people who need you to do that. Right. So we've got a lot of work cut out for us because <laughs> as you, as you uh, gave us with the example of the EMR, it incurs on you in many ways. There's the sheer physical problem of the tendonitis. There is the sheer exhaustion of the long work week of the hundred encounters, which is not unusual as a work expectation. There is the demands of the lack of autonomy, the organization placing demands on you that you didn't ask for, but here it is. And may I just interject yeah, less and sure. say, there's only so much more efficient I can be. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're being asked from all ends, and it is this feeling of being squeezed, squeezed, squeezed till there's nothing left to give, and yet there's expectations to be met, metrics to be met. We're constantly graded on everything that we do. What patients think about me is important. Um, and at the end of the day, I set out just to try to do some good. I, I you know, less I'm lost. I didn't go well, to well, business school. Well, let's find a path forward. So. <laughs> First of all, I want to ask, provide a little challenge. I think we look deep down, there might be efficiency yet to be found. That until we very 
intentionally look at how we do our processes, our documentation, our delegation, the roles and teams, I don't think we can yet say we've optimized the efficiency of how we have this massive work to get done. On the other hand, I agree that that's not the only answer, that creating reasonable expectations, first of all, of ourselves, how much can you realistically work and do it, and then making perhaps tough personal decisions about this is how much I can work and no more, or negotiate that with our organizations. This is how much I can work and no more. Now, how can we make this work together? So there are solutions of that sort beyond efficiency. There are solutions of advocacy. How can we get mm -hmm. the organization to provide those resources that will actually make a given level of work more doable? And lastly, how as we as advocates together perhaps find ways to leverage the whole system to allow our organizations degrees of freedom to give us the freedom to practice the way we'd like. I think I want to hang on to that word advocacy because I feel like perhaps physicians, we as a group, have lost a little bit of that. You know, we often operate in silos. We're yes. doing our practice. We're keeping our head down. We're just trying to keep up with the workload, much less be the leaders of change and development and guiding our own field as we should because we're the ones who are doing it from day to day. So I very much want to learn more. How do we engage our own lives from an individual perspective, from working in a team perspective? How do we interact with our organization? And then ultimately from a global level systemically, how can we be the purveyors of our own future, so to speak. That is a wonderful phrase, purveyors of our own future. And that is what we're here to explore together, taking it from that, through that whole chain from how do we take care of ourselves? How do we work effectively with teammates? How do we advocate in our organization? How do we find points of leverage in the environment to make this professional journey one in which you can indeed thrive, not survive, in fact, be something you might want to tell your daughter, this is a great job. Let me <laughs> let me help you get there. Yes, please change my mind about that, Les. Okay, so we'll see. I, it's my intention to provide you some expertise by bringing in a series of experts who will speak to the many parts. You've outlined the many pieces of it, so we're going to break it down and bring in experts with particular perspectives and solutions about individual parts and have a depth conversation with each of them over the series of weeks to come. Does that sound like a way to go? That sounds great, Les. And you know, I want to say that speaking for myself and on behalf of probably all physicians, we're not a lazy bunch. I'm willing to do my part. I want to work hard to make this a sustainable career um, and ultimately one that I hope to enjoy on a daily basis, and I, I want to do the work to make that happen. Okay, so let's begin this work. I have a suggestion. So let's begin with that part over which we probably have the most control of any piece of this, which is our own bodies, our own physical health. You've pointed out how hard it is to do in the face of all the countervailing demands of practice, family, and so forth, but it is the one thing about which we alone have that, the most and sole control hmm. over. And so I think let's start there as a paradigm of making things better. So at our next session, we're going to have the privilege of talking with Dr. Eddie Phillips, who is an expert in lifestyle medicine. We're gonna call this Let's Get Physical, and he's gonna help us navigate the issue of taking care of oneself physically 
as one attempts to combine a professional life with it. As preparation for that, I'd like to ask you to do something in the interim. Sure, Les. Okay. Could you observe how you are physically doing during your workday? What gives you energy? What depletes it? But keep tabs on the level of energy that you feel as you experience different phases and any observations you can, can make that you can share with Dr. Phillips that might help him give you some insight into how you can improve the situation. Will do. I think I'm in for, perhaps I'm, I don't want to anticipate it, but a lecture on good lifestyle choices and regular exercise, which we entreat our patients all the time, but perhaps myself included and many other physicians, we don't actually follow through ourselves. Okay. So this will be a good one. Okay. So I don't think it's going to be a lecture. Okay. At least let's not, <laughs> let's not let it be a lecture. Yes. He's here to help you figure it out. Good. So the reality of how you want to learn, of how you want to apply the learnings, mindful of the real constraints that you have to work with in order to learn how to take good care of yourself, that's for him to figure out with you. Fantastic. Okay. All right. So that concludes our first conversation. Delighted to talk with you today, Marie. And we will meet again next week and talk about Let's Get Physical with Dr. Phillips. Thank you so much, Les, for being my guide. I sincerely appreciate it and, and for this opportunity. And I hope our work together with Dr. Phillips and the other experts will not just help me stay the course and maybe one day be able to tell my daughter, hey, you know, sure, go be a doctor, <laughs> while helping others out along the way as well. Well, that is my hope too. And if that happens, I will consider this to be a very gratifying thing for me to have helped with. Thanks so much, Les. If you have a question or a comment about today's program, email us at feedback at medpep.org or simply visit us at medpep.org. And now, here's a few words from MedPep's founder, Steve Edelman. This is Dr. Steve Edelman, creator of MedPep, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program, and director of PHS, Physician Health Services, a charitable subsidiary of the Massachusetts Medical Society. Our mission is to promote the well-being of health professionals. Many thanks to our seeker, Dr. Marie Curious, to our guide, Dr. Les Schwab, and to our wonderful group of guest experts. Hats off to project leader, Dr. J. Dev Dasgupta, audio producer, Douglas Stevens, guitardiologist Dr. Susie Brown, and to the staff and board of PHS. Please visit and connect with us at medpep.org for CME info, faculty bios, and additional empowerment resources.